0: Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Forest for Church Audio Podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Stay tuned for today's sermon. Enjoy and God bless. The, the announcement concerning our children's church worship. Uh, we're so excited to be starting uh, worship for our kids ministry uh, the first Sunday in January. Uh, which means that that they're going to be in uh, the whole time back there. But it also means we need more more ministers. Not helpers, not workers, but ministers. Those who would would, would, would say, I want to minister to our kids. Um, You know, it's amazing how um, sometimes I think we fail to realize the importance of all we do in God's house. Um, I've, I've and this is not to be critical of anyone it's just just a reality but I've had people tell me that you know they uh, they work in kids ministry but they just don't have time to prepare and I thought what if I took the attitude what if I said you know what I'm not going to prepare for, for my message on Sunday morning I'm just going to show up and I'm just going to wing it hmm You guys probably wouldn't like that very much. Yet we take that attitude with our kids. You know, statistics has proven that if we do not reach children by the time they're 12 years old, there's a very good likelihood that they will never develop a relationship with Jesus. So we need you to... Contact our kids' minist- uh, leaders. Contact the church and say, you know, I want to be a minister in our kids' ministry. It could be one Sunday a month, one service a month. It doesn't matter. But we really do want, uh, we, we need to build a strong team to minister to our children. And I'm excited about them having their own time of, of worship uh, back uh, in, in, in their area. I also want to welcome our online viewers. Thank you for joining us today. And I pray the Lord bless you and you enjoy your time. You know, there's... There, uh, Many more cars in the sanctuary in the in the parking lot than there are people in the sanctuary The reason is we have our Christmas production In our for 11 o'clock service. We have probably about 60 to 70 people That are all over this facility getting ready for that So if you were not here Friday night, or if you cannot make it back for 5 o'clock today please stay for our 11 o'clock production of to Bethlehem and beyond. I know you will, will tremendously enjoy that and be blessed by that. Amen? So let's, um, let's turn this morning to uh, 1 Samuel. Uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 25. We're going to begin our reading there. And I'll be reading from the new NLT. And you can follow uh, on the, the wall behind me if you like. 1 Samuel 25. And it says, Now Samuel died, and all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. Then David moved down to the wilderness of Moan. There was a wealthy man from Moan who owned property near the town of Cormel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep-shearing time. This man's name was Nabal and his wife, Abigail. She was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all of his dealings. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent 10 of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep-shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men, and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us, since we've come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you may have on hand with us and with your friend David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal, in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Who is this fellow David? The boss sneered to the young men. Who does this fellow Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take bread and water and meat that I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Get your sword, was David's reply as he strapped on his arm. Then 400 men started off with David, and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole while or the whole time they was with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this. And figure out what to do, for there's going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He is so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Now, God, I just invite you to just come and manifest yourself in a much more powerful way, God, as I share your word with your people. Holy Spirit, I welcome you, sir, again. Thank you for being here, and I know you're already in this place. I yield my members to you. I ask you to have your way this morning. Speak to the people of God. Give us all ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say today. And Lord, bless this time. Just speaking of your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, today I'm going to conclude the series on famous women of the Bible. This series, of course, thank you, Brother Terence. This series, of course, was developed to help us understand the role that each one of us can and should play when it comes to bringing about racial and political reconciliation in our country. Well, today, I want to include in our conversation reconciliation in our families as well as reconciliation in the church. Very difficult, or it would be very difficult to be a catalyst of reconciliation on a much grander scale if we do not act as reconcilers in relationships that are close to us. The title of each message in this series was presented to you in the form of a question. The first was, who are you? And in that message, I challenge you to identify first and foremost with yourself as a Christian. Before you identify with your race, before you identify with your political affiliation, your tribe, your culture, whatever it may be, first know that you belong to God. And that every aspect of our life should be lived from that perspective first and foremost. The second message was, may I have some water, please? And in that message, God gave me five things to, to share with you. When it comes to reconciliation, racial reconciliation, political reconciliation, the first was, if we're going to be reconciled, it was based on the story of the woman at the well. If we're going to be reconcilers, we must meet people where they are, not where we want them to be. Number two, we must get rid of our tribal prejudices, which we all have. Number three, We must be willing to share our water with others. Whatever whatever we have, whatever you have, that you can share with someone else that would tear down walls is your water. Number four, I said we must stop listening to the haters. And number five, we must ask God to let us see people how he sees them. And then last week, last Sunday, uh, the question was, will you alter your preferences? Will you allow the Lord to develop and create in you disciplines and habits where you first and foremost take things and place them on the altar of God? Your differences, your misunderstandings, your dislike for other people, will you alter your preferences. Well, to follow that script, let's close this series with one more question. And that question is, where are the reconcilers? Where are the reconcilers? Throughout this series, I've used the word reconciliation. And since I'm big on the meaning of words, I want you to find the words reconciliation and reconcile. Reconciliation is the restoration of friendly relations. It is the action of making one view or belief compatible with another. I love that definition. Think about it I don't say, say that again reconciliation is the act or the action of making one view a one belief compatible with another reconcile means to cause to coexist in harmony or to make a show to be compatible so we see from these definitions that the words restoration and compatible are parts of reconciliation. You are a part of restoration church. That means rest, reconciliation should be part of your DNA. Amen. It's who we are. It's what we do. We restore lives. We restore relationships, relationship. We restore people back to God. So when it comes to when there is reconciliation, relationships are restored, and people become compatible and friendly with one another. Also, the root of reconciliation is the word conciliation, which is the act of removing anger and hostility. And reconciliation, please hear me. If you don't get nothing else out of this message, you got to get this. And I may say that two or three times because I got to get your attention. I know your mind is prone to drift. and <laughs> You got to get this. Reconciliation was a major part or a major portion of Jesus' teaching and ministry. Listen to what he said. Jesus, your Lord, my Lord, your master, and my master. Listen to what he said in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If you bring your gift or your offering to the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. What is he saying? Before you even give to God, check your heart and make sure your heart's right with other people. That tells me that the condition of your heart affects God's acceptance of your gift. Wow. First, be reconciled. God said in Hosea 6, six, he said, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. The concept of reconciliation should not be a foreign concept in the church because it is an expression of God's heart. Yet in far too many instances, reconciliation is not sought after even by Christians. It's not so often. Throughout this series, I've stated that real, if real change is going to come to America, it will come by way of the church. We are the agents of change. We are the hope for this country. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are carriers of the glories and virtues of God. Therefore, the church should be leading the cause of reconciliation. Broken relationships. And many of you in this room have relationships right now that are broken. Doing worship. God really stirred my heart in this way concerning his people and broken relationships that they have between others and the fact that you just kind of let it be okay. I don't think it's okay. Broken relationship between people should not be acceptable to us because they're not acceptable to God when people fail to live in harmony with others their relationship with God is hindered that is why Jesus said leave your gift and go and be reconciled can I get personal with you for just a moment some of you are thinking well you already have pastor <laughs> You're going to get much more personal than that? Well, can I get up close and personal? How's that? (laughs) Reconciliation will not happen as long as you're looking at other people thinking they need to change. It will not happen. The changes that are needed to bring reconciliation must first take place in you, not in others. So if there are relationships in your life that's broken, stop waiting on the other person to come and make it right. You go make it right. You do your part. You be a maker of peace. What if we all took that attitude? Well, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to seek forgiveness. I'm not going to seek reconciliation. I didn't do nothing. That's the first thing we want to say, right? I didn't do nothing. I didn't cause this. That's why I love the story of Abigail. You're going to, in just a moment, you're going to see the heart of a reconciler perhaps like you've never seen it before. We've got to stop living with that it's their fault mentality. Whether it is racial, political, family, or in the church. We've got to stop living with that mentality that's it's their fault. That type of thinking will do nothing for what's in your heart, but perhaps create more bitterness. To live with the expectancy that others need to change is the same as saying there's nothing wrong with me. I don't have a problem, you do. And that attitude does not bring about reconciliation, but it hinders it. So today, we're going to see in Abigail the heart and spirit, a, a real godly heart and spirit of reconciliation. Abigail's husband, Nabal, whose name means fool or senseless, acted the fool. (laughs) He acted the fool. He refused to give food to David's men after his men had provided protection for his flock as they were being sheared. When asked to help, Nabal said, Who is this fellow, David? Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are, there are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. He must have known David's story in King Saul. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that i slaughtered for my shirts and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. And David said to them, Get your sword, boys. Yes. <laughs> Get your swords. As he strapped on his own. David was going to wipe him out. He took 400 of his men and he headed to the ball to kill him and to kill his entire family. When Abigail heard what her husband had done, she knew trouble was on the way and she sprung into action to reconcile the situation because that is what reconcilers do. I told you in the second message, what haters do. What do haters do? What do they do? Haters hate. That's what they do. What do reconcilers do? They reconcile reconcilers reconcile they make peace they create harmony they mend and heal relationships which one are you a hater or a reconciler this woman Abigail this one was amazing She lived with the (laughs) fool. Keep the thoughts and your words to yourself. (laughs) Okay. There's things bouncing around in this atmosphere right now. Couldn't bring those thoughts back in. Abigail lived with the fool. He was crude. He was mean. Her life was difficult. Nabal's dealing with others was, was hateful. And she was a sensible woman. She was a wise woman. She was a respectful woman. She kept her heart right with God, which is so important for a reconciler to do. Do you hear me? That is why Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar and go and make peace with your brother. We must keep our hearts right with each other. That's what reconcilers do. So when Nabal played the fool, Abigail did not try to change his behavior. Instead, she intervened by going to David and interceding for Nabal and her family. Listen, some people are going to behave and respond to what's happening in America in a very hateful way because that is what they know. It is who they are. Some people are even energized by hatred and uprising and disturbances. But listen, Love always trumps hate. Always. Acts of kindness will always trump acts that are mean and hurtful. Abigail knew her husband was a mean, foolish man, so she was not surprised by his actions. When when the ball played the fool, it didn't surprise her. We get surprised when people act the way we know they are. Even in your family, please hear me. Listen to me. You know your spouse. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I go on, honey? This is, this is not the person between us, but listen. This is what I mean. You know your spouse, right? You know you know his or her tendencies. You know the things that they do that maybe you don't like, but they do them anyway. Why get upset when they be who they are? Why get upset when they do what they do? Right? Right? Why do that? Huh? Make it plain? Thank you, thank you. Gary said, come on now. This brother, make it plain. Why get upset? We should not get upset when people act the way we know they are. Yet we do. Abigail didn't get upset when Nabal acted the way he did. She sprung into action. Listen to what what she did and said to David. Verses 18 and 19. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys, said to her servants, go on ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. She made preparations to make peace with David by giving him a peace offering. David had requested that Nabal would share any provisions he had on hand. He would have taken a little bread and water. What a meager request compared to what it cost Abigail to make peace. Some of you are going to get this in just a moment. The lesson we should take from this is this. This is another one of those please pay attention moments. Please hear me moments. Here's our lesson from this. When relationships are broken, the cost to restore them may be much more than what it would have cost to keep them. When relationships are broken, wow. the cost to restore them may be much more than it would have cost to keep them. Wow. How many of you back in the day used to listen to Motown and those that type of music? Yeah. Huh? Yeah? Okay. I think his name was Johnny Taylor. Was well, it Johnny Taylor? They had the song, what was it? Cheaper to keep her. Say it out loud, brother. It's cheaper to keep her. <laughs> <laughs> and what Johnny tell us it's cheaper to keep her why because it's listen it costs more to restore relationships than it does to keep them reconciliation is not cheap but we must be willing to pay the price for some of you it may cost you materially for others it may cost you your reputation among your peers. For some, it may cost you your place of honor in your tribe. Or it may cost you your sense of pride and dignity with other people. Because reconciliation is not cheap. Just ask the Lord if it's cheap. It cost him his life to reconcile us back to God. No shortcuts. No plan B. God gave his best and his best gave his life because God wanted to make peace with us. Amen. Thank the Lord that God wanted to make peace with us and that he is the chief reconciler. So all your father is asking you to do when it comes to reconciliation is duplicate what he does. So Abigail goes to David. David is seething with anger. And in verses 21 and 22, he said a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness and nothing he owned was lost or stolen, but he has repaid me even for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. David meant business. He was about to wipe him out. Verse 24. When Abigail saw David, She quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said to him, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Mm. Reflect on that. She said, I, I accept all blame. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. (laughs) He's a fool. But listen to what she said. But I never saw the young men you sent. She accepted personal responsibility for what had happened. Her first words to David were, I accept all blame in this matter. But please answer this question for me. What had Abigail done? How was she to be blamed? Why would she accept responsibility for this? I'm going to give you a possible reason. Although not directly responsible for what had happened, Abigail accepted blame because she had failed to intervene on behalf of her husband's foolishness. I never saw the young men. In other words, if I'd seen them, I would have taken care of this matter. Had I known that my husband had said and done those things, had I known he'd acted so foolishly, I would have intervened and corrected the situation. As a reconciler, she understood that reconciliation often involves correcting the wrongs committed by others. Also, reconcilers understand that reconciliation will at times require you to accept liabilities that you did not create. Reconcilers understand that reconciliation will at times require you to accept liabilities that you did not create. It will require you to take on the transgressions of others. He said, wait a minute, Pastor. Jesus did that. Yeah, he did. You're to be like Jesus. <laughs> You're to bear the burdens of others. Abigail goes on to say, as surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies, this is what he said today, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal. Here's a present that I brought for you and your young men. She said, please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. That's the heart of a reconciler. Where are the reconcilers? Where are they in this room? Where are you? Where are you if you're viewing online out there? Are you a reconciler? Are you living your life as one who brings reconciliation and healing? Or are you living your life as one who brings destruction and division? Where are the reconcilers? She says, the Lord was sure to reward you. Listen to what she tell David. The Lord was sure to reward you. With the lasting dynasty for you are fighting the Lord's battle so listen so get this when you take on the spirit of reconciliation and you step into that place not only do you become a source of healing you become prophetic you begin to call those things that be not as though they were you begin to speak into the future of those who you bring reconciliation to this is what she said She said, God's gonna be how does she know this? How does she know this? She said, God's gonna reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battle. When you open your heart up to be a reconciler, you open yourself up to every aspect of who God is and what he represents. Even when you are chased, Abigail said, by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God. You are secure in God's treasure pouch. The lives of your enemies will, dis- will disappear like stones shot from a sling. Wait a minute. Sound to me like Abigail had heard of David's plan of Goliath. So what we see here is that as a reconciler, we must learn to speak a language that is familiar to the person who was offended. She says, when the Lord has done all he has promised and made you leader of Israel, Don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And David had such respect for her actions, and he was so struck by her courage and wisdom that he heeded her counsel and spared her people, even the fool. An action that had eternal consequences, not only for Nabal's family, but also in the life of David. Abigail was sensible. She was capable. She was persuasive. And she was able to see beyond herself. She allowed this difficult situation to bring out the best in her. And she is proof positive that one does not need a a prestigious title to play a significant role. That one does not need a title or a position to be an effective reconciler. All that's needed is a heart to see people live in peace and harmony. A heart that understands the love God has for all of his people, regardless of their outward appearance or their inward beliefs. God loves all people. Abigail knew God, and she knew his ways. And he used her to powerfully influence others, even a king, a one called to be king. The heart of a reconciler will always reflect the heart of God. And it will help others out of whatever place of hatred and bitterness they may find themselves in. Look at 1 Samuel 25. Look at verse 32. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and for carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. When Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal was throwing a big party, playing the food, (laughs) celebrating like a king. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next day. In the morning, when the ball was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke and he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About 10 days later, the Lord struck him and he died. We see from the life of Abigail that vengeance belongs to God. And when we step into situations and bring about reconciliation, we allow God time, space, and opportunity to do what he alone can and should do. He is the God of truth and justice. And through our acts of reconciliation, we create opportunities for God to be God. Abigail intervened. David responded to her intervention, and as a result, he did not commit murder as an act of retaliation. When we live as reconcilers, only God knows the lives we may spare and the souls that may be saved from destruction and eternal damnation. One last word about Abigail. Verse 39 says... That when David received word that Nabal was dead, he sent messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife. Uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to take from that, but praise Jesus. (laughs) 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 Listen because Abigail was a reconciler yes. I'll let yeah, come on yeah let's bask in the moment right listen because Abigail was a reconciler she went from being the wife of a fool to the queen of Israel From the wife of a fool to queen. The rewards of a reconciler, one who is a peacemaker, are far far more greater than you can ever think or imagine. You do not understand the glories and the promises of God That you will unlock in your personal life when you choose to be a reconciler. You also do not understand how your unwillingness to be a reconciler may hinder you from receiving what God has promised.
1: That's right.
0: That's why Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled to your brothers. And then you come back and present your gift. Don't let that stuff that's in your heart keep you from what God has for you. Where are the reconcilers? Listen, there are kings and queens in this room right now. There are kings and queens listening online right now. If you would just be the reconciler God's called you to be, you would step into the promises that Jesus died for you to have. I gotta close, but one more scripture. Listen, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta bring this home with this. Listen to this, Second Corinthians verse five, chapter uh, chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eleven. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. Some of you say, what are you talking about? It's crazy we are talking about, Pastor. Yeah, it may, be, it may seem crazy to you. But it brings glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who received his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Since we have stopped evaluating others so, I'm sorry, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Where are the reconcilers? Honey, come up. Where's the floor mic? Where's the floor mic? What did Josh do with you? Thank you. We, we're gonna close, but I wanted my wife to share something with you. Um,
1: I didn't mean nothing by that. You are my
0: can- king. Okay. Y- y'all hear that? Okay, I know you did.
1: <laughs> okay, my husband asked me to share a um, personal situation that I've had in my family with reconciliation. I'm the baby of eight. I have five brothers and two sisters. Well, my favorite, favorite brother, who was married to my very favorite sister in law, she was more like a mother to me. She taught me how to cook, she taught me how to clean, she taught me how to take care of my family. Well, three years ago, she died. I had made arrangements to go to the funeral. They live in California. On the morning of the funeral, or the morning I was to fly out to go to the funeral, I couldn't walk. My knees went out. I was in the hospital. I called him. I let him know that I couldn't come, that, you know, what the circumstances were. And um, he didn't talk to me for three years, he wouldn't speak to me. I would go to California with my husband on business and I would go by his house and he would leave. I would call him, I would send him gifts. He likes red beans from Louisiana, I would buy them, I would send boxes, he, would, he wouldn't acknowledge them. He encouraged his children not to talk to me. And every Sunday, after church, I'd leave here. And on my way home, I would call him. He wouldn't answer my calls. And I would pray for him. On Mother's Day of last year, I called him. And I guess I'm listed in his phone as sister, because he answered, he said, Sharon, which is my other sister, I said, no. This is Ruth Lynn, and he got just stone silent. And so I just told him, I said, look, if I've done anything to offend you, I'm sorry. I said, I couldn't make it to the funeral. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. I told him, I said, I love your wife just like you do. I mean, she was my favorite. He says, well, when people do me stuff, I just write them off. Oh, I was crushed. I cried so hard. I said, "Well, I just called to say again that if I've done anything to offend you, I'm I'm truly sorry." So, we got off the phone. He did, he really didn't receive what I had to say. And we were had a trip scheduled to go to California in the next couple of weeks, so I called him again. And I said, "Look, I'll be in California." I said, I'd love to come see you. It's 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 an hour and a half drive from Los Angeles to where he lives. So, you know, it's kind of an effort. And I didn't want to make a blank trip if he wasn't gonna be willing to see me. So um he said, Yeah, well, you can come, but you better not say anything that'll fit, you know, that makes me mad or and I was like, oh, God, should I go or should I not go? You know, I don't want to set myself up to go be hurt. So we went to California, and I went, and um, I just sat with him and talked. And, you know, I shared with him some information I had. He's a veteran, a Vietnam veteran, and there's a benefit that he could receive that he didn't know about that I let him know about, and we went to the veteran's office. We had a very, a very good bit visit. But I say this to say that um, when I talked to him on the phone that one day, I told him, I said, "Bruce, I said you may not forgive me. I said, but I forgive you for anything. You know, uh, God forgave us, and we've got to forgive each other. You know, we can't. He's he'll be seventy-five years old. I mean, we we're checking out of here sooner than you know, rather than later." And just to hold a grudge is just, well, say this to say this. He now has forgiven me, and he calls me every single day. Every single day he calls me. I mean, sometimes he doesn't have anything to say, but he just calls me. And I listen. Even if I'm busy, I just listen. Because I love my brother, and I'm glad that I didn't give up on him. I could have said, well, I didn't do him nothing, so I'm not going to try to make the, you know, the step to... Reconciled, but I did, and I'm glad that I did.
0: Amen. Would you stand, please? And she said uh, last year, but it was last Mother's Day. It was this year. It was this, this year. year. that that uh, that they were there to, to really make peace. I'm gonna ask her to do one thing else that she may really not be comfortable with that she's not aware of. I'm gonna ask her to pray. I'm gonna ask her to pray over you. That if you are involved in any relationship that is broken, that God will bring restoration. That if God wants to use you as a reconciler in racial, political, whatever issues there are, that you would heed the call and let God use you to bring peace, healing, and reconciliation. Will you pray?
1: Father, I just come before you now, Lord God. I just pray over your people, Lord yes, God, yes, God. That there, if there are any relationships, Lord God, yes, that need Jesus. mending, that you would reveal yes, them, Lord, Lord God. God. That yes. you would show them, you would give yes, them creative Jesus. ideas to bring reconciliation. Yes, yes,
0: yes. Lord God,
1: if there's anything in any of our hearts, Lord God, toward, toward a brother or sister, yes, I pray, God, that today we would yes, make it right, yes, Lord God. Yes, yes. yes Father God, yes. you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us, yes. for our sins that we committed. Yes. And we we yes. have only to do the same for you, Lord yes. God, to forgive yes. others.
0: Yes, Lord. Lord
1: God, you said that our prayers would be hindered if we didn't reconcile one to yes, another. Yes. Father God, you said that the world yes. will know that we are yours by our love one for yes, another. God. May we love one another, yes, Lord God, Lord as you Jesus. love us. Yes, in God. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Where are the reconcilers? They're all over this room. Amen. They're watching online. They will watch in the future. Listen, God has entrusted into our care the ministry of reconciliation. So go out and be the minister that God has made you to be. God bless you. Have an amazing day. And that concludes today's sermon. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Forest Word Church audio podcast. We pray that today's message has blessed you and encouraged you and empowered you in your journey of following Jesus. If you would like to learn more about Restoration Church, please go to our website by visiting r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.